0: Hi, this is Pastor Steve Lance from Noble Assembly of God. Thank you for tuning in today. I pray that this message from God's Word will bless and enrich your life. There's nothing impossible with our God. Nothing. Nothing. All things are possible with him. Amen. Amen. We have a um, a Mother's Day message today that is uh, a little bit different from others you may have heard. Um, it's going to feature a mother from the pages of the Bible that many of you may not have even heard of. I tested on some of my family members and say, have you ever heard of this person? And, no. Oh. so... uh I won't tell you which one said that, but anyway. Uh, Normally, we talk about more well-known mothers like uh, Hannah, Elizabeth, Mary, Ruth, and so on. Like last year's Mother's Day message was entitled Seven Bible Moms, and we we talked about seven moms from from the pages of Scripture. Well, today, we're going to talk about a mother that's found in the book of 2 Samuel, uh, chapter 21, And uh, We're going to look and see what we can learn from a very courageous and a loving mother by the name of Rizba. How many of you have heard of Rizba before? All right. There's probably a lot of you that haven't. She's not very well known. I believe this is the only mention of her in Scripture. It's just in a couple verses, but she provides for us an example that I think speaks volumes to how... We need to live our lives for the Lord and in behalf of others. So follow along as we read the first um, 14 verses of the book of 2 Samuel, chapter number 21. There was a famine during David's reign that lasted for three years. So David asked the Lord about it. And the Lord said, The famine has come because Saul and his family are guilty of murdering the Gibeonites. So the king summoned the Gibeonites. They were not part of Israel, but were all that was left of the nation of the Amorites. The people of Israel had sworn not to kill them. But Saul, in his zeal for Israel and Judah, had tried to wipe them out. David asked them, What can I do for you? How can I make amends so that you will bless the Lord's people again? Well, money can't settle this matter between us and the family of Saul, the Gibeonites replied. Neither can we demand the life of anyone in Israel. What can I do then, David asked. Just tell me and I will do it for you. Then they replied, it was Saul who planned to destroy us to keep us from having any place at all in the territory of Israel So let seven of Saul's sons be handed over to us and we will execute them before the Lord at Gibeon on the mountain of the Lord. All right, the king said, I will do it. The king spared Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, who was Saul's grandson because of the oath David and Jonathan had sworn before the Lord. But he gave them Saul's two sons, Armani and Mephibosheth, whose mother was Rizpah, daughter of Ai. He also gave them the five sons of Saul's daughter Merib, or Michael is the Hebrew name, the wife of Adriel, son of Barzillai from Mahola. The men of Gibeon executed them on the mountain before the Lord. So all seven of them died together at the beginning of the barley harvest. Then Rizpah, daughter of Ai, the mother of two of the men, spread burlap on a rock and stayed there the entire harvest season. She prevented the scavenger birds from tearing at their bodies during the day and stopped wild animals from eating them at night. When David learned what Rizpah, Saul's concubine, had done, he went to the people of Jabesh-Gilead and retrieved the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan, when the Philistines had killed Saul and Jonathan on Mount Gilboa, the people of Jabesh-gilead stole their bodies from the public square of Beth- Bashan where the Philistines had hung them. So David obtained the bones of Saul and Jonathan as well as the bones of the men the Gibeonites had executed. Then the king ordered that they be, ordered that they bury the bones in the tomb of Kish, Saul's father, at the town of Zela in the land of Benjamin. After that, God ended the famine in the land. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning regarding this very unusual story from the word of God. I pray, Lord, that not just moms today, but all of us would draw some very important truths and lessons from these verses. And I pray that you would anoint me to speak this word as you've put it on my heart this week. We thank you, God, and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of today's message is The Heart of Arisba. The Heart of Arisba. This is a strange story, is it not? But it has a strong message that is not just for moms but for all of us. And so first of all, let's look at the backdrop of this very unusual story. During the reign of King David, which was about 1000 BC, there came a very, very severe famine on the land and it, it lasted three years. Can you imagine a, a famine that on our land where no rain fell for three years? I mean we feel it after a few months uh, you know at times in the in the summer and And everything is so dry. And so, three years, this famine had been ravaging the land. Things were bad. And so, David, he decides, I'm going to go to the Lord and see what's up and see what we can do about this famine. And so, he goes to the Lord, and the Lord says to him, This famine is because of the sin of your predecessor, King Saul. It's the consequences of sin. Let me tell you today, sin has consequences. A nation that sins against God reaps the consequences, just like an individual reaps the consequences of sin, unless they turn to God and repent. God says he will not be mocked. He says, whatsoever a man sows, that shall he what? Shall he reap? The same is true for a nation. The Bible says that sin is a reproach to any nation, while righteousness does what? It exalts the nation. For example, since 1973, in the Roe v. Wade decision that legalized abortion, over 50 million people have been murdered. Don't think that God doesn't see that. Don't think that God doesn't care about that. I believe some of the problems we are seeing in our country today is consequences of disobedience to God's word. Forgetting and disobeying God brings consequences. In this story in 2 Samuel 21, King Saul murders the Gibeonites, which for 400 years since the time of Joshua... They were protected and they somewhat deceived Joshua and Israel back in the day to believing they were from a long way off because Joshua and Israel was conquering all the nations right around them and and so the Gibeonites, they pretended by making their clothes look old and by having moldy bread in their possession that they had come from a long way. And Israel believed them, and actually, Joshua made a peace treaty with them and said, We will not destroy you. You can live in the land, and uh, we won't destroy you, but you're going to be wood carriers, woodcutters, excuse me, and water carriers. And that's what they did for 400 years until King Saul came along. And King Saul, he didn't want these Gibeonites anymore, so he decided, I'm going to murder them, I'm going to take care of them, I'm going to get them out of our land. And they did that. Well, the Lord took serious the oath, the treaty, that Joshua had made 400 years before, and so he brought the consequences upon them by sending this famine. So David goes to them and says, what do we need to do about it? And they said, well, money isn't something we need, and and, 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 and it won't work, and so what we need you to do is we'll take seven of King Saul's sons, and we will execute them, and if we can do that, Everything's okay. We'll be satisfied. I want to tell you, sin is serious business. Let me say it again. Sin is serious business. It's so serious that Jesus, 1,000 years later, was handed over to be executed, just like these boys were, handed over to be executed, and spilled his blood for the price of our sin to make redemption possible. And you all know that. So seven of Saul's sons are handed over to the Gibeonites. Five from Michael and two from this lady we're talking about today named Rizpah. So they're taken and they're executed at the beginning of the barley harvest. Now the barley harvest started around Passover, which was around March or April of the year. And then we come to verse 10 where the story gets really interesting, and Rizba gives us an example of a mother's love and a mother's fight for her children. So that's a little bit of a backdrop. Secondly, who was Rizbah? Again, someone many of you have probably never heard of, somebody you wouldn't normally think of when you think of great people from the Bible, but this concubine of Saul had two sons, Armani and Mephibosheth not the Mephibosheth that was the son of Jonathan. You Remember, he was lame in his feet, and, and King David spared him and let him sit at the table the rest of his life because of an oath that he made with his friend Jonathan, who was the king's son. So it was another Mephibosheth. Apparently, Rizba was too weak or too old to be able to take their bodies down from where they were killed and executed, and so she gets a burlap sack and she spreads it out on the rock below their dead bodies and she fights off the birds, the vultures, by day and the wild animals by night. She stood on that rock. She slept on that rock. She ate on that rock. She prayed on that rock and she waylaid on that rock. Any animals and birds that would try to come and take the body away of her sons. And she does that throughout the entire harvest season. The harvest season normally ended between October and November. So ladies and gentlemen, she placed herself on that rock, fighting away the beasts, fighting away the birds. You know, in the Bible, the birds could represent the devil. Remember the parable Jesus told of the sower? The birds came and stole the seed He said this is equal to Satan. And so she fought off the wild animals and the beasts, the birds, for six months. She stood on that rock. She stood on that rock. She prayed on that rock. She fought off those animals and birds on that rock. She couldn't stop them from being killed. She couldn't stop her sons from being killed. But the wild beasts were not going to have their bodies they were still her sons she refused to quit she refused to give up and even though the bodies begin to stink she would fight for them can you imagine how the bodies begin to stink after 6 months the other day donna flowers had a cat that got in her engine of her car It didn't do anything to her car. She could still drive it. It didn't knock off any belts or cause any danger, but when she drove up, everybody about passed out because it stunk so bad, because it stunk so bad. The cat had been in there for a day or more, two days. So the brave Pastor Phil with me cheering him on and Joyce and Gloria happened to be there. Go, Phil, get that cat out of there. But it stunk really, really bad. Can you imagine how bad these sons stunk for six months? Their bodies decaying. Even though the smell was horrible, as the days went on and turned into weeks, and the weeks, and the months, and the months, into a long time, the fight was on, and she stood her ground to fight for the bodies of her boys. One of the greatest youth pastors, definitely in the Assemblies of God and even probably in youth ministry all around, is a lady by the name of Jeannie Mayo. How many of you have heard of Jeannie Mayo? Several of you have. Jeannie and her husband Sam were a pastor, youth pastor team in some large churches. She had some very very big, big youth groups in Nebraska and Atlanta and Rock Island, Illinois, or Rockford, Illinois. Recently, her husband, Sam, went to be with the Lord, but Jeannie, still, who is probably in her late 60s, uh, still uh, travels and still uh, is in the youth ministry. And um, I want to play a little excerpt of a message that she uh, spoke about RISPA in a message entitled, Remember Rizpa," So check out this video of her. It's about seven minutes long. Listen to this video.
1: Uh, let, me, let me just uh, be Rizpa for a minute, not meaning to be funny, but I think we don't even really see this scene. Imagine if your sons, for something they had nothing to do with, for something you had nothing to do with, were hung. And you couldn't stop them. And now, all seven of them are dead. Your two are still up there. Everybody else is gone. You're the only one left alive. Get away! Get away! Don't away, go eat the others! mind, those two there. Leave them alone. Alone. I'm still here. Boys, you know that, huh? I'm still here. The other most, they left. <laughs> They're probably. <clears throat> talking about me in the city. I'm probably the joke. Doesn't the old woman know her sons are dead? I know you're dead. But you're still my sons. And they're not I said, get away. Eat the others. You know I tried to stop them, huh? That came after. I, I didn't know why they were coming at night. And, and I, I, I could tell it was for nothing good. And then I overheard a couple of the soldiers talking. They were hanging you. What are you hanging? What are you talking about? I said, stop. What are you doing They're my, my sons? What are you doing? And they just slammed into the crown. Put ropes around your arms and your, your body and took you off. You were so brave. I begged them. I begged him. I chased him down the road and said, "Listen, if you're going to do something to them, please take me. Just take me." And they pushed me and said, Get out of the way, old lady! I said, oh, "Get, get out of the way, you vultures!" And then I watched them. They, they uh, drove these big, ugly pigs into me. voices through all the other ones. I know your voices. I know your courage. And, And I, I couldn't do anything. You know I, I tried. It's, it's us. Boys, listen to me. Does it count for anything? Your mama. I never left. <laughs> they make fun. I put the sackcloth down at night and stand on the rock and scream and wave, but trying to keep these cursed animals away. But your mama, I never left. You hear me? I don't know what good it has. I don't know what good, but I'm not going to let them have you. Does it count that I refuse to give up? here. I'll keep beating the lousy vultures away because you're still my boys. You're mine. You turn sure, do you hear me? You're mine. No matter how much the stinking stench of decay comes off you, I'm here, because you two, you are mine, and it will always be that way. That's why that lady so motivates me. (laughs) 45 years and the journey is full of amazing teenagers. I was telling the youth pastors just um, this morning I got a text picture from one from about, gosh, 30 years ago. They're all adults now and There were four guys sitting around a table. They had met somewhere together. They were all in town, wherever, in Illinois, and he sent me a picture. And right before it, he sent me an old picture of him being baptized in a lake. They had changed so much that I only was positive I could recognize two of the four. And in the text, he said, Mom, none of us would be living for the Lord if it weren't for you. Listen to me. Preaching is overrated. Do you hear me say that? And I don't mean the Word of God is overrated, preaching is overrated. The most important things I've done to make a difference for Christ isn't preaching here, it's being a rispa to some people. It's saying, you know what? I'm sticking with you. I'm going to let my love and my friendship. And, and my faith and my prayers beat vultures away. And even when you're pretty smelly from your decay and your, your flesh and your humanness and your teenage antics, I, I'm not going anywhere.
0: Rispa's highest achievement she refused to quit. She refused to quit praying and fighting for her kids. Whether you're a mom or a dad, a teacher, a leader, a girls' ministry sponsor, a royal ranger leader, a Sunday school teacher, a nursery worker, whether you're a ministry is in the men or women, whatever, if you will refuse to quit... You will see God do wonderful, awesome things in your life and in the lives of those you are fighting for. Keep beating the birds of sin and Satan away from your life and away from your family, and the king, the king, will take notice. The king will take notice. What do Rizpahs do? How do Rizpahs beat away the vultures of evil that try to steal our kids and our grandkids? What do they do? How do we make a difference? Do you remember people who made a difference in your life? Back when you were maybe a real stinker <laughs> as a child or a teen? Or back when the stench of sin was on your life? Do you remember people who made a difference? Who was your Rizpah that kept you from, from being destroyed and got you to the king? For me, besides my loving parents, I remember Glenn and Patty. They were my youth leaders whenever I was a teenager. Every Thursday night, we had youth service. I remember Don and Debbie, who were not leaders of any kind in the church. They were just an older couple that Every time they saw me, they patted me on the back or they shook my hand or they said, we love you, Steve, and we're praying for you. Or Paul Smith, my junior boys teacher, or Don Klepper, my junior high teacher, or Orla Harbour, my Sunday school teacher when I was in high school, or Gary and Debbie Whitlock that invested in me when I was in college. RISPAs that made a difference. And I bet many of you can name your own slate of RISPAs in your life. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we must be RISPAs. It's our turn. Let's look at some of the things we can do. Let's see three things that RISPAs do, and there could be more, but I want to mention these three. Number one, listen more than you talk. RISPAs listen more than they talk. The book of James in chapter 1, verse 19 says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. We have two ears and one mouth for good reason. Don't look at your neighbor like that. Jim reaps some in a Article entitled "Homemade" says, Teenage prostitutes during interviews in a San Francisco study were asked, Is there anything you needed most and couldn't get? Their response, invariably preceded by sadness and tears, was unanimous. What I needed most was someone to listen to me. Someone who cared enough to listen to me. Now, let me say, there is certainly a time to speak. There is certainly a time to instruct, encourage, and even reprove if necessary. But how many lives could be saved had we just taken the time to listen? Arispa listens more than they talk. The second thing Arispa does is serve more than they control. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 23, 11, the greatest among you must be a servant. As a mom and dad, when your children are small, certainly you lend heavier on the control side, or else they're out of control. <laughs> but as they get older and out of the home, which happens all too fast, can I get an Amen. It seems your influence is best received as you lean heavier on the service side. Nothing irritates people more, and especially as children who are grown, than parents who try to control. Even more so if you have grown children who have strayed away from their Christian roots. You want to grab them and say, Come on, get back in line like you did when they were little. But it won't work now. However, if you model the Jesus that you represent and you live your life for the love of God in front of them, they will be moved by that. Remember, God loves them more than you do. Having a heart of service does more good than trying to control them. But when they're a little, pardon the expression, but bust their bottom and go on. (laughs) Tell them how much you love them, and later they will thank you. Trust me, they'll thank you. I know, because I've thanked my dad for every busting I got. So Rizpahs listen more than they talk serve more than they control, and thirdly, they pray more than they preach. Look at verse 10 again. Then Rizpah, daughter of Ai, the mother of two of them, spread burlap on a rock and stayed there the entire harvest season. She prevented the scavenger birds from tearing at their bodies during the day and stopped wild animals from eating them at night. She stayed on the rock Who is the rock? Not Dwayne Johnson. Even though he's called that in wrestling and as an actor, that's not the rock I'm talking about. The rock I'm talking about is the same rock I talked about last Sunday morning, the one that is the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. Can I hear you? Amen. He's the rock. She stood on the rock. And she prayed on that rock. And she did her best to keep the beasts that were out to devour the bodies of her sons away. Satan, like the birds and the beasts, wants to devour our children and grandchildren. But he will have to get past the effectual, fervent, white-hot prayers of 21st century Rizpahs to do it. Amen. He's going to have to go around you. Those vultures and those beasts would have devoured the bones of those boys and the flesh of those boys, but they had to get past Mama. And she didn't let it happen. My friend, Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy, but we need some wisdom to say, it's not going to happen on my watch. It's not going to happen with my kids. Things change when people pray. How many of you have ever heard of John Newton? John Newton wrote the most famous hymn that we sing, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. This is what it says about him. John Newton, who caused his mother such sorrow while she lived, was brought back to righteousness long after she had gone to heaven by the recollection of the lessons she had taught him. God brought her back to him again in a vision, and the memory of her prayers and of her tender solicitude broke his heart and turned him away from sin. That mama was still fighting after she was dead. And John Newton, after that, wrote the most wonderful hymn, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. People remember your love and your actions more than your preaching. There is a place for preaching. Just as Jeannie was saying on the video, there is a place for that And the word of God certainly has power and is the central way our lives are changed. But prayer and personal involvement opens the heart. Most of all, once again, Rizbas don't give up. Rizbas stayed on that rock for six months fighting for her two wonderful, precious boys. Musicians, would you come? Praise team. In conclusion, I want us to look at the reward. Look back again at verse 11. When David learned what Rizpah, Saul's concubine, had done, he went to the people of Jabesh-Gilead and retrieved the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan. Skip down to verse 13. So David obtained the bones of Saul and Jonathan as well as the bones of the men the Gibeonites had executed. Then the king ordered that they bury the bones in the tomb of Kish, Saul's father, at the town of Zela in the land of Benjamin. After that, God ended the famine in the land. Rizpah got the attention of the king. King David. And back in those days, burials were even more of a big deal than they are today. Your loved one's bones were very, very important. And David was reminded as he saw Rizpah fighting for her sons and not letting the vultures and the wild animals tear them apart, he was reminded that the bones of King Saul and Jonathan who were killed in battle on Mount Geboa, that their bones were not where they should be and he went to get them. But he also got the bones of Rizpah's sons. He got them down and he brought them all together. And get this, the bones of her two sons, because she fought hard and long for those boys. The bones of those two sons were buried with the kings. They went to the king Because of the fighting love of a mother, they were buried with the kings. What an honor. Real ministry to our family and to other family members in the church setting can sometimes be tough and sometimes be smelly and seemingly fall upon ungrateful hearts. There's got to be some teacher in here or commander or leader or some kind of this thing. I don't think those kids are listening. They don't march into youth service, Pastor Phil, and say, Oh, Pastor Phil, just speak to us the wonders of God today. We just can't wait to hear what you have to say. We want to soak it all in. I don't think they come in thinking that way. They come in and they're, you know, just kind of going crazy and wondering if that girl they like is going to sit near them. But somehow in the midst of all that, the Holy Spirit uses this man's words and you teacher's words and you sponsor's words and through the Word of God and through your relationship with them and as you fight off the sin and the things that try to steal their lives, God reaches into their heart and one day will take them to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But if you don't quit... And you keep listening more than talking. And you keep serving more than controlling. And you keep praying more than preaching. Your loved ones will go see the king as well. Heaven is for real. Amen. And there's only one way there. Through Jesus. But my friends, hell is for real too. A million years from now, the only thing that's going to matter in your life is what you did with Jesus because it will determine where you are for eternity. And the same for your kids. Everything else is going to pass away. Everything that we gave our time to and our energy to will be gone. But the one thing that will matter most is what they did and how they lived for Jesus. So mom, since it's Mother Day, Mother's Day, but in reality everyone, be a risba to someone. Erhisba beat some vultures of sin and beasts of selfishness away from your family. Most of all, most of all, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't give up. If you've got a child or a grandson or a loved one that just seemingly isn't going the right way, don't quit praying. Don't quit loving. You might quit controlling them. But don't stop loving them. Yesterday, I'll close with this personal illustration. Yesterday, I was sitting here in my office at the house. I was working on this message and the FaceTime phone call came. I looked and it was my daughter Cammie who was here last week with her boys and and they come on Says we're at a Paxton's T-ball game. All right. She goes, well, you know, cause I told her when she was here, I'd love to, I wish I could see a T-ball game. You know, they live in Houston. We, we just probably won't see that, you know, and in the summertime it's over by then. But right now she goes, well, at, an, at a game coming up, I'll FaceTime you when, when he's playing. So yesterday was the day and she FaceTime, and he was up to bat and they put the ball on the tee. Knocked it out to the field, and man, he took off running the first base, and everybody's cheering, "Yay, yay!" He made it first base, and then the next batter got up and they hit, and he ran to second, "Yay, go Paxton!" And then the next batter come up and he rounded to third, and he's on third base, and Jared's working third base coach and helping and watching, back, and Paxton, he's you know, he was so excited. Well, then the next batter got up, and of course, he hit the ball. And Paxton took off for home and he's running for home and he jumps on home plate and everybody's going crazy. And Cammy's holding the FaceTime to where Paxton can see Papa saying, Yeah, Paxton, that's great. And he was so happy and he was smiling. And I'm grateful for that. But you know what's more important than that? Way, way, way more important is I want my grandson and all my grandkids and kids to make it home to heaven and I want to see them smiling and happy on the streets of gold one day. Not just because they rounded the diamond. My friends, there are vultures of evil out there. they sin, and it comes in pretty packages. You can't say, oh, if it was a devil-looking guy, then you'd run away. But it comes so pretty, so acceptable, so nice, and it's stealing away our kids right and left. But we need some rispas. We need some moms and some dads who will be rispas and say, not on my watch. Not on my watch. They're not having my kids. My kids are going home to see the king. I'm going to make sure my kids see the king. If I have to be a worn out RIspa to see them all happy and smiling in heaven one day, I say, game on. Game on, devil. Game on. How about you? My friends, that's the heart of a RIspa. That's the heart of a Rispa. Father, God, I pray that you help us today to have the heart of RISPA. Lord, there's so many things that try to steal our kids, our grandkids away from what's most important. Lord, and some of those things are good things. I pray, Father, God, that you help us be believers, parents, leaders, who stand on the rock of Jesus Christ and fight with every ounce of our strength, pray with every ounce of our being, that our kids, that our grandkids, will one day see the King. That they'll be smiling, they'll be happy. Lord, this life is so short. Compared to eternity, this is so, so short. God, help us to be Rispis stand in the gap we thank you lord thank you jesus in jesus name amen